Happy Thursday to you all. BYU Fall Camp has their first practice today. We'll be out there for it, but today's edition is dedicated to you, the listeners. You responded with your questions. We're addressing them all on today's edition of Locked on Cougars. You are Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto at the network is your team every day, and as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Our goal here, simply stated, to make you the smartest BYU fan in the room by giving you all the intel that you guys need to know about every single day. And happy opening day of fall camp officially for BYU. They'll be practicing, depending on when you listen to this, Later this afternoon, uh, 12.10 is when they are scheduled to allow media observation with interviews afterwards. So we'll have an edition of the podcast. We'll be a, a quote-unquote our Friday edition of the podcast coming to you guys uh, to this evening. If you're listening to this on Thursday or watching it on Thursday, you get what I'm talking about. We'll get it to you as soon as we possibly can. All the reaction, everything we took in from day one, and we'll have that all for you on the next edition of the show. But today's show is for you, the listeners. And by way of introduction, for those of you who may be checking us out for the first time, my name is Jake. Once again, I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK. And I moonlight here as your host, talking all things BYU. All right. On to the questions. Your guys' is time to shine. Uh, we'll start off with this question. Our good friend Mojo, who is serving in the Armed Forces, is an Air Force pilot. Uh, Mojo asked this question. Uh, well, first thing, you want a question that's not realignment related? Yes, Mojo, we'll try to avoid the realignment. But then he asked this. Are you confident with all of the talent returning, we will see Elisa Tuiaki adopt a more aggressive scheme like we had in the first few games of last year? Mojo, I think we will see a more aggressive scheme, especially with the return of guys like Keenan P. Uh, Peyton Wilgar, especially the linebacking core, I think with uh, the hope of an improved defensive line output, that BYU can be more aggressive with blitzing and that type of stuff and trust also the back end of their defense, their cornerbacks, Caleb Hayes, D'Angelo Mandel, the safety group led by Malik Moore, they can hold up more on more in one-on-one coverage to allow more of that aggressive blitzing scheme. And I, that's what I want to see. I, it's what I've always favored when it comes to BYU. Uh, the coaching staff has been very uh, clear that they don't necessarily agree with my observation on things, as as most people uh, will uh, readily acknowledge, but they are all about scoring defense. They want to limit points teams score. If it requires a bend-don't-break approach, they're willing to take that, no matter how frustrating it might be for media and fans alike to watch on a game-to-game basis. Next question comes in from Matt. Matt asks, "What, what are your takeaways you are looking for for day one of fall camp? Well, Matt, here's the thing. Day one of fall camp, players are out there, their very first chance to officially be practicing with their teammates after months of workouts, uh, player-run practices. It's uh, literally been months since spring ball, the last time they had organized uh, team activities. So the biggest thing with day one is these guys are in helmets, so I can't expect to see much in terms of guys really showing what they can do because we all know this is a physical, violent game, the game of football, and you need to have your pads on to really get a feel for things. People will be making observations, whether it's in print or podcast that you guys are probably listening to that I'll be talking about. Well, the offensive line uh, got the better of the defensive line. Folks, 
when guys do not have their pads on, especially in the trenches, you can get zero. I mean, goose egg, zero to uh, takeaways, in my opinion, for that. You can get stuff in terms of like showing how good Jaron Hall, Jacob Conover's arms might be. That, that type of stuff you can get a little bit of a feel for. But I will not be coming on here saying tomorrow, holy smokes, this offensive line looks absolutely dominant. I'm going to withhold judgment on that until next week when the pads actually come on for BYU. So the overall takeaways I'll take from day one is to make sure any updates of guys missing off the roster. I want to get an update on Brooks Miley. Uh, we've talked about him. Uh, he was on the roster then uh, during training, not training camp, during a BYU media day. His name was omitted from the roster. Need to get an update on that. There's inevitably uh, two or three names that seem not to show up early on in fall camp. That could be something with regards to academics, honor code, all that different stuff. We'll be sure to track all of that. And then I'll just be looking for my general observations of how things feel. I'm very much a guy that goes out there and tries to get a vibe for how things are going. And that's kind of what I'll take away from day one. And anything that is noteworthy, like a big touchdown catch, interception, that type of stuff, I'll probably be sure to note that. But just also, let me be very clear. Once again, until the pads really come on, I don't put a lot of stock into guys being as physical as they can be without pads. I just, it doesn't, it's not the game of football. These guys don't play without pads on Saturdays. So just early on in fall camp, take everything a little bit of grain of salt that this offensive lineman looks incredible. This defensive lineman just getting around the edge and absolutely getting after the quarterbacks. That type of stuff, I don't know that you can necessarily buy into that early on in camp. All right. On to our next question. Ethan Sawyer asked this question. Does BYU have a plan to involve the tight end more this year? Now, that's a great question, Ethan, because I'm not 100% certain on that, if if I'm being honest, because last year I thought they were going to feature more of Isaac Rex, especially after he came off a stellar freshman campaign where he had 12 touchdown receptions. He took a backseat to the wide receiving core last year, which was very, very good. Guys like Neil Pau, Samson Nakua, Puka Nakua, uh, Gunnar Romney, etc. They were very good in the wide receiving core, and Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator seemed to favor uh, the wide receivers a little bit more than the tight ends. With a little bit of an unproven uh, second group of wide receivers, I would guess you'll probably see more tight end action. The biggest thing will be how quickly Isaac Rex can get assimilated. Kalani Satake told Gregor Bell, I don't know if you guys saw this interview, uh, it was a kind of a preseason look ahead, that Isaac is going to be more of on a pitch count during fall camp. And that's not a problem at all in my mind. You want to get him to the season healthy. If he's available for game one and he feels healthy, that's the goal. Dallin Holker is more than capable of scooping up those reps. Guys like Ethan Erickson, Lane Lunt, uh, Who am I forgetting that tight end unit? Uh, Oh, Carter Wheat. They are more than capable of taking those extra reps in fall camp and trying to show what they can do with them. So I would hope that the tight ends get featured more prominently, and especially the way BYU is recruiting tight ends. They better start featuring more prominently because they're going to have a lot of tight ends. They already have a lot on the roster, and they just scooped up two more in the 2023 recruiting class in Jackson Bowers and Matthew Frederick, who we talked about earlier this week. you got to start featuring them a little bit more. I completely agree there. All right, next question. Ryan Welling asks, who is currently not participating in fall camp that is anticipated to be available during the season? Now, Ryan, I'll have an answer for you on that more available, more readily available tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. But the second part of your question says, with an experienced group returning, how will this year's install during the first few weeks of fall camp look compared to last year's. I can tell you this much. BYU is going to be light years ahead this year than they have been last year. This is more of a training camp like 2020 was for BYU. I know that the, the pandemic, a lot of things about 2020 are really screwy. They uh, put together a schedule on the fly after they lost. It was all but, I think, two games on their original schedule or next due to COVID-19, uh, pandemic restrictions, all that stuff. So there's not necessarily a perfect comparison, but you think about the 
2020 team had a ton of returning experience led by Zach Wilson. This team, they hit training camp, the abbreviated training camp that they got, and they were just light years ahead of where they had been in 2018, 2019, etc. 2021, I felt like BYU was trying to just get Jaron Hall and these guys assimilated. Now with 19 returning starters for BYU, you should be just ready to hit the ground running in, in many respects. There will obviously be the inevitable wrinkle, things that you're changing a little bit with regards to your scheme, etc. But this should be a training camp for BYU where they should just absolutely hit the ground running. And they should be further along come game one against USF this year, speaking of 2022, than they were last year in their season opener. That's my personal opinion. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances outside of that can, that can affect it. But I would expect you're going to see these guys uh, getting after it. And I hope that they uh, get an opportunity uh, to hit the ground running and really just kind of get, a, a, in a way, a head start on everything going on. All right, one more question here before uh, we have plenty of questions to address on today's show. Uh, pretty much this entire show is going to be question-based. So let's get one more in here real quick. Uh, Casey Finlinson, our good friend, asked this. If Utah is ranked fourth in the CBS preseason poll based off of last year's record and the returning starting production, is BYU's ranking at 26 accurate? Am I missing something or is this justify justifiable? Is it the Power 5 effect? Of course, this is a preseason poll before camps even started, so who really cares? <laughs> Well, Casey, thank you for asking the question anyways. Thank you for helping us out here on Lockdown Cougars. Uh, Casey, I think your question is valid. Uh, there is a little bit of a Power 5, uh, what do you call it, a bias in a way. BYU, they're on the doorstep of becoming Power 5. Do I expect that they're going to walk into the Big 12 next year, say they have a, a 10-11 win season this year, and suddenly everything we're talking about, BYU is going to make a run at the college football playoff? No, because BYU is probably going to be turning the page a little bit in terms of getting a reload of their squad, because if they have that type of season, you're going to see, I think, a mass exodus of guys jumping to the NFL. That's just my personal opinion. If everything goes according to plan this season, Utah is getting a ton of hype. And a lot of it just goes back to the fact that the national media, they love Kyle Whittingham. Now, let me admit this. Kyle Whittingham has been nothing but gracious with me during my media career. I work for the KSL Sports Zone. We cover the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, Aggies, Wildcats, whatever is out there, RSL. We cover it all. Kyle Whittingham has been nothing but a gentleman to me the entire time I have known him in a media sense. I don't know him personally all that well, so I, I can't speak to that side of it, but he is absolutely gracious with everybody he talks to in the media, and I think that lends itself to Utah getting some extra love. And Utah made a run to the, to the Rose Bowl, folks. I know they lost that game, and trust me, there's been a lot of hype about a, team, a game that Utah lost, but the thing is, the national media, they love Kyle Whittingham, and I think that's just a little bit of a byproduct of them rating Utah so highly. It's a lot of pressure for the Utes. Let's be very clear about this. We, we all know about BYU, the quest for perfection back was in 2008. Uh, BYU was being hyped as the BCS buster, the darling that was supposed to make the run at an undefeated season. There's a ton of pressure. If Utah is being as hyped as they are right now, they're going to have to navigate all of that. And that that that's the, I guess, the flip side of the coin of all the preseason hype. I actually kind of like where BYU's at right now. Disrespect us. If Kalani Satake is smart, he'll take that and say, guys, you were a top 15 team a year ago. You were top 25 at the very worst at the end of the season. These guys don't even think you're worthy of starting inside the top 25. Guys like, guys like Brett Ciancia over there at Pick 6 Previews, who I need to get on the show. We've had him on the show in the past. He's actually got BYU ranked 15th in the preseason poll, so Brett really likes BYU. Let's let's be, let's be acknowledge that. And like I said, I'm an effort to get him on the show to let him explain why he likes BYU so much. But I, I mentioned about on yesterday's show, Phil Steele, he has BYU 13th. His power poll ranks BYU 13th, but his preseason poll, he's got BYU 26th. 
So this is a little bit of an advantage uh, for BYU to play up. Klein Sataki can play the disrespect card. That's what he can play because this is a 10-win team. You guys were a top 25 team. I know the season didn't end the right way that we wanted it to, but people are overlooking you. Go out and prove them wrong. That is the way the BYU should handle this, and I hope they do. All right, we'll get to some more of your questions here momentarily, but we need to get to, uh, real quick, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Many of you have heard me talk about Built Bar. I am a huge fan of these protein bars. I, I'm not trying to blow smoke, smoke up your skirts. I absolutely love Built Bars. They have the Built Puffs out. They have a brand new flavor, cookie dough chunk in those puffs. They're a light and airy, chewy uh, marshmallow type bar, and these cookie dough chunk puffs have actual chunks of cookie dough in them. The incredible part with those cookie dough chunks is the macros. Just 160 calories, a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. It's absolutely incredible. They're incredibly delicious, and the best part is, as a BYU fan, when you support our friends at Built Bar, you are supporting BYU football via their name, image, and likeness agreement they have with the BYU football program. Every member of the BYU football program is getting money via an NIL deal with the Built brand of companies, which includes Built Bar. So get to Built.com right now. Place your order while you're there. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Once again, support BYU football. Enjoy the brand new cookie dough chunk puff and get enjoying all the best tasting protein bars outside of that with our friends at Built Bar. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. And you guys' questions this week were on point. You guys responded in mass. So a huge thank you for your support of the podcast as always. Back to the mailbag. Let's get to Nick Chadwick, another one of our good friends here. Nick is always weighing in with his thoughts. He asked this, are there thoughts from you, Jake, on the brethren calling Stanford defensive coordinator Lance Anderson on a mission so they stop stealing top LDS talent? What can BYU do to win over these top LDS recruits from going to Stanford? Here's to hoping the Pac-10 dies for good and Clegg, speaking of Hunter Clegg and Walker Lyons, change their mind on their missions. Well, there we'll see what happens with regards to the Pac-10. I, I can't necessarily tell you that's ab- absolutely going to happen. There's a possibility of it, but uh, the idea of sending Lance Anderson on a mission is actually pretty funny to me. Like, Brother Anderson, we like to call you as a mission president for, I don't know, the Provo-Utah mission. I, I don't know. I'm just being facetious with that, but it's an interesting idea. The biggest thing right now, folks, is Stanford. It's got a lot of cachet nationally. It's just, it's a top-notch education. And let me also acknowledge one thing. Uh, Jeff Hansen and Garrett McClintock over at Give Them Help Brigham, the podcast and their newsletter. By the way, if you're not listening to that in addition to this show, you are missing out. Uh, just a shameless plug. I'm, they're not paying me for that. I, I, I just love their product. Uh, but they've talked about the fact that Stanford, it's got a relatively uh, limited in terms of the overall depth and breadth of the different undergrad programs it offers. But one thing that Stanford will always have is it opens doors. It is a nationally recognized university. You have a degree from Stanford, it opens doors everywhere. If you want to work in a global sense, Stanford's absolutely phenomenal. I'm not saying that BYU doesn't offer a lot. The Marriott School of Business is as good, as well-renowned as the Stanford Business School in many respects. The funny thing about this, Stanford, by the way, doesn't have an undergrad, from, it's not an undergrad program in business. Their graduate program in business, I've got two very dear friends, two of my roommates at BYU who are both Stanford MBA graduates. So these dudes are bright. They graduated from BYU and then they ended up going to Stanford for grad school, but I don't know if there's necessarily anything you can really do about it. That that That's just simply the fact of the matter. David Shaw has embraced the entire LDS lifestyle. He encourages guys to go on missions. He likes the fact that they go out or spending two years uh, serving a, a church mission and they come back leaders and he has embraced it. He knows the parlance. He knows the, the, the Mormon 
code uh, code words. I, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints code words. He, he speaks the language here in Utah. So it's a credit to Stanford, David Shaw, Lance Anderson, obviously being a, a member of the LDS faith helps in that regard. But I'm not necessarily 100% convinced that you can do anything to uh, entirely shut Stanford out of here because of the cachet that the Cardinal have. The one thing I would say if I was, if I was trying to recruit against them, I'd be like, you really want to play in front of tens of fans? Because uh, trust me, I, you watch a Stanford game, they've got nobody there. That's the thing about it. Uh, BYU, there are you guys are the hardiest of the hardy, speaking of you, uh, BYU fans. 50,000 is a bad crowd at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's considered like the end of days if BYU has 50,000 people. It's 60,000 plus on any given weekend. It's absolutely phenomenal. And that's the one thing I would play up if I'm BYU's coaches. So hopefully it helps address a few things, Nick. If I, I'm going to think more about that. I'm going to see if I can think of a better recruiting tactic for BYU when it comes to combating uh, Stanford. We'll see what we can come up with. All right, on to our next question. Read Crosby asked, it seems like our top skill players are all pretty set with Brooks and Katoa at running back, Nakua Romney Hill at wide receiver. Which backup running back will have the biggest impact between McChesney, Davis, and Ropati? And then similarly, which wide receiver will have a breakout year between Epps, Roberts, and Cosper? Now, let's address the running back uh, side of this right now. I know Miles Davis was making headlines in training camp a year ago. He suffered back-to-back foot injuries, a broken feet actually, uh, broke the metatarsal on the outside of both feet. He told us that on this podcast and that really uh, ended his season before it really got started. If he is back to full health, there is a natural ability for Miles Davis that you don't see from a lot of guys, especially guys who didn't play running back growing up. He was not a running back in high school, folks. I really like Miles Davis. The guy that I would say is a dark horse, though, is Jackson McChesney. If McChesney is right, and that's one thing about it, he seems to have a breakout game and then he's picked up a ding here or there. You can think back to when uh, he had that, uh, that, that, he came into the Navy game in the 2020 Open and just was mauling guys late in the game. Finished off that game with a flourish. Then ended up uh, having a Liz Frank injury. If he is 100%, Jackson McChesney is kind of the dark horse, but I'm going to put my money on Miles Davis there. Now on the wide receiver side of things, between Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, and Braden Cosper, I can't count on Braden Cosper's health. He has suffered three season-ending injuries now at BYU, so I can't count on him. I like his talent, but I just cannot rely on him. So it comes down to Chase Roberts or Cody Epps. I'm going to put my money on Cody Epps. Chase Roberts is a big-bodied receiver who I think is going to be a very good player. He, he's a guy not to overlook, but Cody Epps is absolutely chomping at the bit from everything I have heard to finally get on the field. He has had injury concerns since arriving at BYU that have really precluded him from really showing what he can do. This was a kid. Think about this. Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, folks, at Alabama, threw uh, what was it, 1,900 yards of his passing yardage his senior season at Modern Day High School down there in Southern California, went to Cody Epps. Cody Epps has those skills to pay the bills, to use that uh, to use that idiom. I hope to see Cody Epps break out. That's, that's the guy I'm putting my money on there. So hopefully uh, that is, so Reed, that's who I'm, I'm going to lay my money on. If you feel free, I'd like to hear who you're picking in that. All right. Next question. Vogelbach, he didn't have a first name, so apologize, Vogelbach, but he asked, any news on Chaz Ayu? Uh, nothing other than I fully expect Chaz Ayu to be out there day one and be ready to go for fall camp. Uh, he had a, it was a leg injury, it was a kind of a hamstring deal, if I'm not mistaken, around the around the Washington State game, and they never just got back to 100%. And Chaz has had an injury-filled history during his time at BYU. The other thing that's hurt him is the moving back and forth between positions. I think the flash linebacker spot that they have him slated to play is like the perfect 
perfect spot for him. Let him flourish there. The thing is, the coaching staff at BYU has done him a disservice by moving him around so often during his BYU career. So the hope is he gets out there and he's able to kill it at that flash linebacker position at this final go-round. I wish Chaz nothing but the best, but 100% health. That's what I hope for him uh, moving forward here. All right, one more question here, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, oh, we got a couple more. So uh, first one here. Uh, Tyler Bergen asks, what running back looks looks good? Excuse me. Let's start that over. Tyler Bergen, he says, what running back looks to make the most impact after Christopher Brooks? He says, we have depth, and I think people are sleeping on Jackson McChesney and Lopini Katoa. I'm excited to see Christopher Brooks, but if you can't get jacked for a healthy McChesney, I don't know what to tell you. So I probably should have read this question ahead of time, Tyler, because you're with me on Jackson McChesney. It's going to take a village to replace Tyler Algier. I agree with that final assessment. It will take a lot to replace Tyler Algier. I think Christopher Brooks is more than capable of being the lead back. Uh, Lopini Katoa, he's been a proven commodity for the, what, 10 years he's been at BYU seemingly. I know that's a joke, but he's been there. I think it's his sixth year playing for the Cougars. You know what he's going to bring you. The good news is all these running backs, they all have different skill sets. The only thing that can hold any of them back, and that's the reason why Christopher Brooks is here, is each of them has an injury history during their time as a Cougar. That is why they went out and got Christopher Brooks. They needed a guy they could rely on health-wise, and Christopher Brooks appears to be running back one, entering training camp, and I think he's going to lead the way. But yeah, any contributions, if you get three to 400 yards from a Jax McChesney, four to 500 yards from a Lopini Katoa, you get 1,000 yards from Christopher Brooks, etc., that's going to do the job. That's what you need from BYU in the running back room. All right, uh, coming up here in just a minute, we'll round out today's show with our no email uh, questions. These are all the ones we've done so far. have all been uh, sent in via social media, via DM, or just tweeting at us. By the way, you can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to send those to me, is Jacob C. Hatch. That's the handle you can find me at. Or, as we will note in a moment, the email address for the show, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. More questions as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. All right, before we go on today's show, two emails uh, sent into the show. We'll address these real quick. Our first one comes in from Chris Gregory. And Chris, thank you for this email. It says, like all Cougar fans, I'm excited about a super talented offense. My main concern for reaching the nine plus win threshold is defensive health and depth. Two questions. One, how can BYU be better at stopping the run this year? And two, how do you feel the defensive line and backfield has gained enough depth, i.e. younger players filling in for injured players last season to overcome a few key injuries should they they pop up. It says, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Uh, Chris, first off, thank you for sending us an email. Thank you uh, for the well wishes. Number one, how can BYU be better at stopping the run this year? Well, getting a healthy Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, Chaz Ayu, Georgia Udo, those will all help. Having them in the second level of BYU's defense is going to inevitably help BYU tackle better because they're some of the better tacklers on BYU's team, especially amongst that linebacker slash safety core. The bigger thing to stop the run is a bigger defensive line. I've talked about this in our position previews in the lead up to training camp. The BYU's defensive tackle and nose tackle positions, there are multiple guys being listed at 300 plus pounds. That alone is going to help. A lot of these guys were playing last year at 270, 280, and when you're going up against an offensive line that weighs 300 plus pounds, you're at a weight disadvantage. And BYU struggled with that a year ago. The youth and inexperience also didn't help at all, and the hope is that with a year's worth of experience, and your second question here is, do you feel the defensive line in the backfield has gained enough depth with those younger players filling in for injured 
players last year to overcome key injuries? Well, I hope so. Uh, I think that actually the secondary is in a very good spot. If they, those guys, the frontline guys, are absolutely phenomenal. I think the secondary has developed some pretty good depth overall. The defensive line, though, still a question mark. And that's probably a question I'm going to ask tomorrow about uh, to Kalani Satake and other coaches is try to get a feel for how they feel this defensive line has developed. Kalani Satake said it during, tr- during spring ball. Continue to talk about these guys and how bad they were along the defensive line last year. We, the, we, they embrace it. They, they need to hear it. So... We're going to talk about it. So they have a lot to prove on the defensive line. There's no doubt about that. But I'm hopeful with just some extra weight, uh, extra work in the weight room, uh, understanding schemes better, alignments, uh, two-gap, all that stuff. All of the different things that go into being a successful defensive lineman. Should BYU's defensive line show the improvement I'm hopeful they can show, they'll be ready to go uh, come this fall. All right, final question comes in via Austin Stoddard. And Austin probably thought I lost this one in the shuffle because he sent this in uh, back in uh, late July. So I apologize, Austin, but I didn't forget about it. He asked this question. Hey, Jake, I've been listening for almost two years now, and I love what you do with the podcast. Thank you, Austin. I have a few questions about recruiting. Do you know why Emmanuel Waller decommitted from the program? And do you have updates on Ethan Thomason, Dadron Zipperer, and who is someone to keep an eye on over the next few months as far as recruiting goes? Thanks, and keep up the good work. Signed, Austin Stoddard. Now, I'm looking at this on my phone. Uh, first thing, on the Emmanuel Waller situation, I do not know what led to him decommitting. I, the, the funny thing about this, he tried to like decommit, by also, but also saying, I'm going to stay committed, but I'm looking at other programs. BYU doesn't play that game. And that may be where he ultimately, that's why he was told, you're, you're out. And he, by the way, uh, he committed to UAB earlier this week, which was a little bit of a surprise because he's a, considered a four-star talent. But nonetheless, uh, he's staying close to home. He's from Alabama and UAB right there in Birmingham is very close uh, to him. But uh, I think the biggest thing is he, he probably wanted to look around BYU. This is just me. I, I don't know this. So let me be very clear about this. This is just me postulating on this. But I think that he said, ask BYU, hey, I'm going to look around and take some visits. BYU's like, no, you're not. You're committed to us. You're committed to us. That's what, that's, that's how th- that's what a commitment is. And I think that may have led to it. I don't know much beyond that, but that's kind of the way I read things. Now, on Ethan Thomason, he recently got an offer from Stanford. And Ethan Thomason, a big-time offensive lineman out of Colorado. Uh, man, the, the whole Stanford thing, I know it just irks you as a Cougar fan to watch Stanford uh, scoop up these guys. I, I'm hopeful that Ethan, it sounded like he was all in with BYU, and it seemed like almost like a mere formality of when, not if, he was going to commit to BYU. I hope he follows through on that. I hope a guy like Jackson Bowers is calling him every day. I hope guys like uh, Matthew Frederick, any of the 10 committed players, I'd be on the phone with Ethan Thomas and saying, dude, get here. Play here at BYU. Ethan seems like a BYU guy to me. That's just my gut feel. I have never spoken to the young man. Uh, I've never had a one-on-one conversation with him. I just get a gut feel the way things uh, sound. He sounds like a BYU guy to me, so I hope they can get him. Now, Dadron Zipperer is an interesting one. Uh, he was one of the guys who came out on a visit with Cormani McClain, the five-star cornerback who has a connection to BYU. Uh, we had uh, the, 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 what was his name? I dang it, I'm forgetting the name uh, off the t- off the top of my head. Uh, we had a gentleman on who has a relationship with Cormani, but Dadrin was one of those guys who came on the visit with Cormani all those months ago. And Dadrin's developed into a pretty good prospect, folks. He's out of Florida. He's got a lot of attention all over the Southeast. I don't necessarily know that BYU is going to get him, but if you're going to be playing in the Big Twelve, you're going to be playing at programs like UCF. Hey. 
chase it. it. You need to build more of a recruiting foothold in the Sunshine State. Go to Florida and get some of these talented athletes. Utah's done it. Utah State's done it. Why can't BYU do it? BYU has brought in some athletes over the years from the state of Florida. Dom Henry, uh, this past recruiting class, the leading receiver in all of Florida football, high school football last year. He's coming to BYU, but Go after these guys. It'd be great to build a little bit of a pipeline in the Sunshine State. I, I, I think it would be a home run. So hopefully, a guy like Dadrian, it sounds like he enjoyed his time at BYU, just kind of reading up on the stories of his visits. But uh, who knows? If he wants to stay close to home, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a hard sell to have him clear, come clear across the country. But if he wants to experience, experience something unique, the mountains, that type of stuff, well, BYU can offer that to him. All right, final thing he asked here is, is there someone to keep an eye on over the next few months as far as recruiting goes? Now, Austin, I don't proclaimed to be the recruiting uh, expert that a guy like Jeff Hansen over at Cougar Sports Insider is. Uh, the biggest thing I would be paying attention to is I am interested to see how BYU fills out the wide receiver positions. They are chasing a number of high-level uh, three-star and four-star talents in the wide receiver room. Guys like Malachi Riley, etc. Uh, come to mind on that. BYU swinging for the fences right now when it comes to recruiting. They're going after high-level guys. They're pitching the Big 12. They're pitching everything they can throw at these guys. And if you pick off one or two of them, that's the way to go. So keep an eye on the wide receiver position in terms of recruiting. That's the position I would pay attention to. Fessy Sitake is maybe the uh, most unsung recruiter on BYU staff. Just for my money, I think he's absolutely phenomenal building relationships with folks. And I hope that he can pull off one or two of these, get a big surprise, uh, win some of these recruiting battles. I think that's the position to pay attention to, especially if, as we all expect, a guy like Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, you expect them to exit the program next year. Well, it opens an opportunity for these wide receivers. You can pitch to them. Hey, those two are taken off. It's going to be a lot of production. we got to replace. You could come in and play right away in the Big 12, by the way, also part of this, and be a part of our team right now. That's Pretty nice poll if, if you're BYU. So there you go. That is our mailbag edition of the show. A phenomenal, phenomenal collection of questions. So thank you so much for your questions. You guys are absolutely great. I love doing this podcast. I, I don't know how to express it any better than I just love sitting down every day and knocking this out. So I hope you guys found it of worth. Hopefully answered your questions. We'll have a full recap of day one of BYU fall camp. Hashtag Camp Kalani uh, later today on Thursday. I'm going to get it out as early as I possibly can for you guys. We'll have sound, audio, video, all that for you guys. We'll have everything from day one of camp, so stay tuned for that. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. If you want more of a look at the Big 12 as a whole, check out our friends for your second listen over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you know everything you need to know about the Big 12 on a daily basis. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one. Until later today, tomorrow, whenever you might hear it, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.